Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Brian Colbert Kennedy, and this is Important Not Important. This is the audio version of our community's webby and shorty-nominated newsletter. If you're new here, welcome. Your newsletter pairs the most vital science news of the week with the specific data-driven action steps that you can take to fight for a better future for everyone. You can get your newsletter in your inbox at importantnotimportant.com, or from now on, just listen to it right here. Here's what happened this week. In climate change and clean energy news, the 80-20 rule works both ways. We've all been stuck behind a school bus or a cement truck or one of the 550,000 diesel trucks purposely stripped of its emissions equipment, black smoke wafting over our windshield, or worse, our face if you're on a motorcycle like me. The health implications are as bad as you imagine, sitting there watching the plume barely dissipate in the air above you. PM2, less than 2.5 micrometers in diameter, or 1 30th of the width of a human hair, is incredibly toxic. Inhalation has been linked to diseases like asthma and heart conditions and up to 100,000 deaths a year. And that's before COVID. And of course, black and brown Americans over-index on exposure, living next to industrial plants and highways. And yet, per the Washington Post, quote, the Trump administration on Monday rejected setting tougher standards on soot the nation's most widespread deadly air pollutant, saying the existing regulations remain sufficient, even though some public health experts and environmental justice organizations had pleaded for stricter limits. The Environmental Protection Agency retained the current thresholds for fine particle pollution for another five years, despite mounting evidence linking air pollution to lethal outcomes in respiratory illness, including COVID-19, the disease caused by the coronavirus. Documents obtained by the Washington Post show that the EPA has disregarded concerns raised by some administration officials that several of its air policy rollbacks would disproportionately affect minority and low-income communities. Douglas Buffington, West Virginia's senior deputy attorney general and man with coolest name ever, called Monday's announcement a major win for coal. You might remember that the EPA administrator, Andrew Wheeler, is a former coal lobbyist. You might not remember what the 80-20 rule is, however. Essentially, in many, many arenas, we can show that 80-ish percent of consequences come from 20% of the causes. How did all of the hens die? Well, a couple got cold, but the other 43 were torn to shreds when we left the fox inside the hen house. One decision, tens of thousands of early deaths. Here's how you can take action. Wheeler's gone in 40 days, but his new cost-benefit rules, which conveniently don't include dead people— will make it super annoying to undo his bullshit, including letting the U.S. air monitoring system self-destruct. Science denial in favor of white supremacist economics is the common denominator for every major Trump decision. On the other hand, Mom's Clean Air Force fights for justice in every breath, nationally and locally, with over a million moms and dads on board. Join a chapter, start a chapter, or donate at momscleanairforce.org. The incredibly timely importance of probably. If thinking practically and justly about our uncertain future is a tenet of our community, then the practice of making decisions based on probabilities, not certainties, is amongst the most valuable tools in our community's tool belt. We can learn a lot on how to think from a survey of 700 epidemiologists by the New York Times. Quote, epidemiologists worry about many unknowns, including how long immunity lasts, how the virus may mutate, the challenges of vaccine distribution, and the possible reluctance to accept the vaccine among some groups. On the eve of the COVID winter, the epidemiologists are living with stringent precautions and new workarounds in place, far stricter than those of many ordinary Americans. 
Yet those precautions have evolved since last spring as scientists have learned more about how the coronavirus spreads and what prevents it. Of 23 activities of daily life that the survey asked about, there were only three that the majority of respondents had done in the last month. Gathering outdoors with friends, bringing in mail without precautions, and running errands like going to the grocery store or pharmacy. Here's three lessons we've learned recently. Number one, indoor transmission is a nightmare. From a rigorous new study, one person, case B, infected two other people, case A and C, from a distance away of 6.5 meters or 21 feet and 15 feet. Case B and case A overlapped for just five minutes at quite a distance away. Number two, natural immunity. Getting infected and recovering is probably less effective long-term immunity-wise than getting a vaccine. Get the vaccine. Number three, once you are vaccinated, you're probably only protected from getting the disease, not transmitting the virus. So keep your mask on. As with all things, when dealing with a novel virus and a pandemic, we're working with increasingly solid but still incomplete information. New revelations mean new questions. Millions of people worldwide don't believe in vaccines, and so even if we can convince them to get the first shot, what about the second? And what does that mean for personal and herd immunity? Here's how you can take action. It's still hard to take leveraged action when everyone's telling you to stay inside. In a world full of invisible super spreaders and exponential growth, the most powerful action you can take is to stay home and not expose yourself or anyone else. And yet, millions upon millions of Americans are going hungry because of COVID. At the same time, restaurants are closing left and right. Congress is a nightmare, so Guy Fieri went out and raised an incredible $22 million for unemployed restaurant workers. It's not a competition, but it is an all-hands-on-deck moment. So Jose Andreas and World Central Kitchen are going even further. They've built a two-sided marketplace with struggling restaurants on one side and hungry people in need of fresh meals on the other. No one is probably hungry. Let's keep up the support. If you own or work at a restaurant, or if you want to distribute meals or donate money to pay for hot meals, you can join up at wck.org. In artificial intelligence news, the second order effects of everything. It's not exactly a secret that Silicon Valley companies are very white and very male. It's also not a secret that these same companies are at the forefront of artificial intelligence research and implementation. What is becoming increasingly understood is the devastatingly biased, if incredibly predictable, second-order effects of having mostly white males design and implement systems of intelligence, to date mostly extreme pattern recognition, across facial recognition, medical imagery, and more. These new systems end up looking much like and working much like the systems of white supremacy that have existed for hundreds of years, wildly useful and successful for one specific demographic. Like the four tops saying, it's the same old song. One would think then that having hired one of the world's most prominent AI researchers, an immigrant black scientist woman who also co-founded their ethical AI team, that Google would protect and support her work at all costs. Instead, per the New York Times, Quote, Timnit Gibru said in a tweet on Wednesday evening that she was fired because of an email she had sent a day earlier to a group that included company employees. In the email reviewed by the New York Times, she expressed exasperation over Google's response to efforts by her and other employees to increase minority hiring and draw attention to bias in artificial intelligence. Your life starts getting worse when you start advocating for underrepresented people. You start making the other leaders upset. Google has repeatedly committed to eliminating bias in its systems. The trouble, Dr. Gibru said, is that most of the people making the ultimate decisions are men. They're not only failing to prioritize hiring more people from minority communities, they're quashing their voices, she said. 
They are who we thought they were. Here's how you can take action. Join 50 million other people and switch your search engine to DuckDuckGo. They don't store your info and they don't track you. In food and water news, drink it up. There's so much we can do to turn back the clock on the complex and comprehensive climate crisis. The future may seem inevitable, but we can still use the transformation of our grids, buildings, and economies to take the edge off. But a growing population, a hotter climate, more arid lands, and an overdependence on industrial agriculture means we are straight up crushing our water supply. How much remains? Who gets what? It's hard to predict. Sometimes I feel like Hari Seldon had a point. Anyways, inevitably, we've turned to capitalism. From Bloomberg, quote, water joined gold, oil, and other commodities traded on Wall Street, highlighting worries that the life-sustaining natural resource may become scarce across more of the world. Farmers, hedge funds, and municipalities alike are now able to hedge against or bet on future water availability in California, the biggest U.S. agriculture market and world's fifth largest economy. The contracts, a first of their kind in the U.S., were announced in September as heat and wildfires ravaged the U.S. West Coast and as California was emerging from an eight-year drought. They are meant to serve both as a hedge for big water consumers like almond farmers and electric utilities against water price fluctuations, as well as a scarcity gauge for investors worldwide. Right on time, a very dry start to winter means California was allocated 10% of requested water supplies to agencies that supply 25 million plus Californians and almost a million acres of farmland. Here's how you can take action. Donations are currently being triple matched to our friends at Food and Water Watch who have stopped more than 600 localities and 15 states from resuming water shutoffs during the pandemic. Hit them up. Okay, that's it for this week. To go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, go to importantnotimportant.com slash newsletter. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend, everyone.